Go to Psalm, please, 55. Psalm 55. We've been on a, a subject, a series for some weeks now called Sustained. Sustained. And we've been talking about looking in the Word, feeding our faith, letting the Spirit of God minister to us about how God, it is His will, and about how and why He's able to keep us and sustain us through everything our whole life long. In Psalm 55 and 22, Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord. Now let's just stop right there. What would be the opposite of doing that? Holding on to it. And you carrying that care. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever carried cares? (laughs) Yeah, you have. Have you ever held on to a burden? What's a burden? A burden is something that's a weight. Something that's heavy on you. Something that's a load on you. Has anything ever weighed on you? Bothered you? According to the word, what are you supposed to do with that? Hmm? What do most people do with it? Even good church going people. What do most of them do? They tote it around. They think about it night and day. And it wears on you. And wears on you. Wears, Wears them out mentally. Wears on their immune system. Wears and cause you headaches and stomach problems. Fears and worries and anxieties. But we're told to do something different. And of course if you want different results than most folks are getting. You're going to have to do something different than what most folks are doing. I mean you don't have to look around too much to realize most folks are worrying. Fretting. Carrying all kinds of cares and burdens. But you could be different. I said you could be different. You should be different. You're a child of the Most High. You're a rare, precious treasure of peculiar people. You're different. Is that right? Somebody say, I'm different. And I act different. And I get different. Different from what most of the world gets. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Now, would that always be easy? Does it always happen automatically? No, no. You've got to make up your mind. When something tries to settle on you and bug you and bother you, you've got to cast means to throw it. Throw it off. God's not going to do that for us. He told us to do it. And if you say, I can't do it, that's a lie. I don't know at the times I've had people look at me and cry and say, Brother Keith, I just can't. That's a lie. The Lord wouldn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do. Don't you reckon he would know whether you could do it or not? And how many times is it going to be that somebody says, Lord, I know you said that, but this is just so awful and so bad and so terrible. I've done my best and I just can't cast this over on you. And he's going to say, now, you know, that situation's different. Okay, never mind what I said. Because <laughs> that really is beyond you to cast up. How many times has that happened? How many times is that going to happen? Never. Because he knew the end from the beginning. Before he told us this, he knew whether we could do it or not. And he just went ahead and told us to do it. So say it out loud. I can cast any burden on the Lord. Now see, if you believe something else, you believe a lie. And if you believe you can't, you're in trouble. That's what deception is about. If you say, well, I don't care what you say, preacher. You don't know what I've been through, and I can't. I know I can't. Well, no, it's a lie, but you believe the lie is true. So you're stuck. And the truth would make you free. The truth is, greater is he that's in you. Then he that's in the world, and you can do whatever the Lord told you to do. Somebody needs to say it. I can do what he tells me to do. Now, not everybody said that. Do you want to get free or not? 
then every pair of lips should be moving right now. Say it out loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do what he told me to do. I can cast my burden on the Lord. I can cast all my cares on him. Did he tell you to do it? Yes. Can you do it? Yes. All right. And it's all over but to do it. <laughs> and when we do that, tell me what happens next. What happens next? And he shall sustain you. Now what if you won't do it? Is he going to be able to sustain you anyway? No. Even though you argue with him and say, I know I can't. No, we have to allow him in. There is a, a big misconception and deception among church people globally. And that is that God is in total control of everything that's happening down here. And somehow everything that happens in your life is somehow his will or his plan. That simply is not true. Anybody remember in Revelation where it said, the Lord said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And it said, if any man will open to me, I'll come into him and sup with him, right? You'll have fellowship, communion, he and I. Well, is he going to be in that room with you unless you let him in? No. See, this is the thing that much of the church world does not understand. God's not going to be in it whatever it is in your life, unless you let him in it. Unless you ask him and believe him to get involved with it. I mean, it shouldn't be too hard for us to figure out. There's all kind of stuff going on in people's lives, including Christians' lives, that God is not in. He's not in it. He's not in it in any shape, form, or fashion. And yet you'll see good Christian people going, I don't know why God's putting this off on me. He's got nothing to do with it. How many remember the scripture said God is not the author of confusion? Actually, the literal just simply says he's not in it. So when you find a bunch of confusion and tumult and uproar, what do you know? God's not even in that. And yet people are trying to blame it on him. Surely you know all the atrocities and cruelty and destruction and death that's happening on this planet is not our good Father's will and not our good Father's doing. If you read the scriptures carefully and believe it, you have to come to the conclusion that it's not his will. But if we want him involved in our affairs, it's not automatic, even though it's his will, even though he desires something for us, we've got to let him in. If we want him to sustain us, there's something we need to do. Cast our burden on the Lord. Say it out loud. Cast your burden upon the Lord. And he shall sustain you. He went on to say he'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. Can he keep you through anything and everything through your whole life long? Go on over to the 91st Psalm, please. Now, if you have questions about what I was just talking about, about God being in control, we camped on this for months uh, on a series called You Choose. So the materials are there. If you've got questions, please don't don't let this continue to bother you. Go with us through all the scriptures we went through. Check it out for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Put your nose in the book and see. And if you'll be open, I believe you'll come to the conclusion uh, that what we just talked about is true. Uh, In uh, Psalm 91, we see him beginning by saying, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. So throughout the psalm here, he's talking about all the things he was delivered from and protected and kept through. 
until you get to verse 16, the last verse, and he says, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. And we don't just need to separate that verse from the rest of the psalm. What you see here, how did David make it to old age? Was he ever in some dangerous situations? And Well, the snare of the fowler didn't get him. The noisome pestilence didn't get him. The, the terror by night, the arrow that flew by day. Today we'd say bullets whizzing around. The pestilence that walks in darkness, the destruction that wasted at noonday. When it happened to a thousand people right by him, it didn't happen to him. When it happened to a ten thousand people right by him, it didn't happen to him. The dragon didn't get him. The lion didn't get him. The plague didn't come to his house and kill him. He was sustained through all these things so that with long life he was satisfied. And when he left here, he was old and full of years and satisfied and had seen it all and done it all and run his race and finished his course and fought a good fight and was ready to get out of here. Do you think God will do the same thing for you? Yes, he will. If we'll believe God like he did and, and do what he tells us to, including cast our burden over on the Lord. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, please. There's so much here, but I have to watch about reviewing or I'll uh, take a lot of time with it. But go to Hebrews, the third chapter, please. Let's join our faith. and not, not only important what we deal with and what we don't deal with, but the order of it is important. How, what we deal with first, second, and third, how we get to it. And I wouldn't know all that. Uh, the, the Lord knows that. But he'll help me and help you. Is that right? Come on, let's agree in faith. Father, in Jesus' name, we agree together asking you, touching this, asking for utterance, asking for the anointing, asking for ears to hear. Help us to get it and get it in the right order and the right thing at the right time and help us to understand it and see it. Thank you for answers to questions. Thank you for direction and deliverance and healing and things to be changed. I'm praying and asking you, Lord, and we're all agreeing together about this, for things to be changed if uh, anyone under the sound of our voice now or that will hear this later that would have been cut short. And would not have made their entire race and course. We're asking for whatever needs to come out. So that those changes will be made. So that they will finish their race. And they will complete their course. We're asking you for it in Jesus name. And for all of us to have ears and eyes and hearts to hear it. And we purpose not to be forgetful hearers. Or hearers only. But to be doers of it. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Somebody say I'm a doer. I'm a, doer. I'm, a doer I'm a doer of the Word of God. A few lessons back, we touched on Joshua and Caleb. In fact, hold your place in Hebrews and uh, go with me to Joshua 14. Hold your place in Hebrews. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's helping us more than we know. You know, you've got two, two big things going on in the church. You've got a bunch of goofy stuff that people think is God that's not God. And then you've got some things that's absolutely God and it's not spectacular enough for people. They don't recognize that it's God. They don't realize that it's God. But it's absolutely God. God talking, God moving, God doing things. Now we prayed about this. We've been believing for this for a few years now for the Lord to show us the difference between what's Him and what's not Him. You with me on this? We're in faith about this. And He's answering our prayer. He's been doing it for months and months now. We're growing. You in agreement with that? Joshua 14 and verse 6. 
The children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the thing the Lord said to Moses the man of God concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea? Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Don't you like that phrase? I wholly, or we'd say today, I completely followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, we're going to see it in just a minute. He told them that everybody else in that generation was going to die in the wilderness. But he told him, God said through Moses, that Caleb and Joshua were going to make it. Is that right? And and he told him, he said, you uh, and your children are going to experience. You know, I reckon some people died out in the desert before they had an opportunity to have children. But here we're seeing him sustained. And not only that, but his, him experiencing the promised land and his descendants after him. Uh, verse 10, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive for these 45. Is that right? He's kept me alive. Somebody say, he's kept me alive. The Lord has kept me alive. As he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spake this word to Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. How old is that? Anybody know how old that is? A score is 20 years. So Caleb, boy, is 85 years old. And he has spent the last 45 years in a very Hard place. Hasn't he? Amen. That's right. Wandering around in circles. They just kept going in circles. Out there in the desert. You don't want to spend a month in the Sahara. Or Death Valley. You'd get a whole new revelation about hot. Hmm? <laughs> oh man. Last time we went to Africa, we flew over the uh, the Sahara, and dear me, you just fly for hour after hour. And I opened the the blind one time, and the the light was <laughs> all this down there is sand, and the intense heat, and you and it just goes on for miles and miles and miles and miles. No, there's different between it getting hot in Florida or Branson, huh? <laughs> And being in the desert. And not only would you not want to live there for a month. How about a year? Or five? Or ten? Or twenty? Man, if you had much wrong with you. Are you going to make it out there? In the desert? In these harsh conditions? No water takes a miracle just to be sustained. No grocery stores. No crops. They lived off of manna. God had to supernaturally rain something out of the sky for them or the whole bunch would have been dead within a few days, a few weeks. And all the cows and all that stuff. But they're out there in this with this miserable people. Unbelieving, complaining people for 45 years. Somebody say 45 years. Now you think you've been putting up with something for a little while. 45 years. Do you reckon Caleb or Joshua ever got tempted? To be heavy about this. Well you know they did. They're human. Are you kidding me? 
After five months. Five years? Twenty-five years? Would you ever be tempted to go, I'm sick of this. I am so fed up with this. I know Joshua and Caleb had to hang out with each other. Because they needed that fellowship. The rest of the bunch ain't going to encourage you. The Lord's already told them they're not going anywhere. They're all dying out there. And none of them's going to see the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb had a word. I said they had a word. Do you reckon the enemy tried to tell them, ain't going to happen? You're getting older. Here you are. You're 50. You're 60. You're 70. You're 80. You're not going anywhere. They had to. They're in Hebrews 11. Hall of fame of faith. Right? They had to talk faith to each other. They had to look at each other across the campfire at night. And say. Tell you one thing. I ain't eating manna forever. You? Uh Uh-uh. Thank God for keeping us alive. But the Lord told us you were there. You heard it. I heard it. You and I are going in the promised land. The scorpions ain't going to kill us. The heat ain't going to kill us. Old age ain't going to kill us. We're not going to go crazy listening to these gripers out here for 45 years. How many know you would need some mental sustaining? You would need some soul support. Wouldn't you? Just living with this bunch. But here, everybody is dead of that generation, except Caleb and Joshua. Other scriptures bring it out. Numbers 26, 65, you don't have to turn there, but it says, There was not left a man of them except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Not a one of them. When Caleb is saying this, there's not one person in that, of those men in that generation that are left alive. 45 years has come and gone. Let's read it again. Joshua 14.10. What did he say? Joshua 14.10. He said, now behold. What's behold here? Now if you're from uh, down south, you might say, look here. <laughs> look here. Behold means look. Look at what the Lord has done. He has kept me alive, just like he said, these 45 years. Now, are we still talking about God keeping you? Obviously. How many of them didn't make it? What percentage of this bunch didn't make it all the way? We just need to know there's a lot of people in our generation not going to make it all the way. That's just a fact. A lot of folks are not going to make it halfway down the road that they should make. Other folks are not they're going to make it two-thirds of the way. But a whole lot of people are not going to make it the whole way. I know Brother Hagin Sr. shared an experience he had with the Lord about his ministry. He said the Lord spoke to him and told him he'd been in the ministry for X amount of years. He said, at this time, you obey me and you'll enter into the second phase of your ministry. Excuse me, I'm not saying that right. First phase, I believe it was. First phase. And he was shocked. He said, Lord, I've been in the ministry all these years and, and we're just now going into this. And the Lord said, Many of my ministers live and die and never enter into the first phase of what I've called them to do. And he said that's also why many of them die young and die prematurely. Well, is God going to be able to keep you if you ignore him and do your own thing as well as if you follow his plan for for your life? Well, no. And all these people were not kept. They died young. They died hard. They died wrong. 
But because the scripture said Caleb and Joshua had another spirit. Different, what kind of spirit was it? A different spirit. Another spirit. They weren't obsessed with this, uh, immersed with this spirit of unbelief and doubt and spirit of rebellion. They had a spirit of faith about them. Somebody say spirit of faith. faith. What's it going to take to make it all the way? When thousands of people are not going to make it all the way. He said, I'm today, I'm 85 years old. I guess it was his birthday. (laughs) And he said, I want something for my birthday. Joshua, you know what I want. We've been talking about it for 45 years. You know what I want. Today's my birthday. (laughs) I'm 85. We know the man's got faith. He wouldn't be talking like this at 85. Keep reading. And yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me 45 years ago. Hallelujah. 45. Can God do that? Yes. The Bible said Moses, when he was 120, his natural strength had not faded nor abated. His eyesight wasn't dim at 120. The Lord had to tell him when to die. And he climbed a mountain to do that. Which is time for you to die. Okay, climb the mountain. Climb the mountain to die at 120. You see, it's just ridiculous. People talk about they're 50 years old. And now I'm old. Can't do what I used to do. Losing my memory. (laughs) That ain't funny. Don't say such ignorant things. You need to say, I have the mind of Christ. He brings all things to my remembrance. How many think you ought to talk like this? I'm as sharp today as I was 45 years ago. Come on. How many think you ought to have some faith like these people did? He said, I can do it. I can do it. I bet Joshua said, yeah, I know you can. I believe you. Like my strength is now. Like it was then for war. To go out and come in. Verse 12. Now give me this mountain. It's my birthday. And I want my birthday mountain. Because God told us, you know, in that day, 45 years ago, you know that giants were there and the cities were great. And if the Lord's with me, I'll drive them out. Just like the Lord said. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Keep reading. Verse 13, Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. He said, you got it, boy. It's yours. Go get it. He said, thank you very much. And Hebrew became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba. And the land had less rest from war. It said, so he must have took it. Amen. It was his Amen. at 85. Amen. Now back to Hebrews. Back to Hebrews. Third chapter. Hebrews 3 and about verse 12. It said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He said, don't harden your heart. Down in verse 18, he swear they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Did the giants keep them out? It wasn't the giants. Could you say, well, it wasn't the will of God? No, it was the will of God. The walled cities. And the iron chariots, the fact that they were so much smaller and the giants were so much bigger, is that what kept them out? Tell me what kept them out. Their unbelief kept them out. Now keep going. We know that's true because they said it couldn't be done. Joshua and Caleb said it could be done. And under Joshua and Caleb's leadership, the next generation did it. Proving it could have been done the first time. Chapter 4, verse 1, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Keep going. For unto us 
was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So the same thing applies to us as what was happening to them concerning the promised land. The promised land was a type of all the blessings and good things we have paid for by Jesus. Did Christ pay the price? Has he redeemed us? And talked about redeeming us from the curse of sickness and lack and and oppression and bondage and all these things. So has healing been bought and paid for? Has prosperity been bought and paid for? The Holy Spirit living a full life and running your whole race and longevity. Has all that been bought and paid for? But will it just fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree? Or will you have to put on the breastplate of righteousness and take up the shield of faith. Come on, are you listening? And the sword of the Spirit. And will you have to resist everything that will try to keep you out and not believe lies and not lay down and quit and having done all to stand, stand and keep going and persevere until you have run your whole race and finished your whole course. But will you be tempted like these people were to say it can't be done? Do you think we'd be tempted today the same way? No, it's too big. It's too much. It's too hard. It's too far. You're too little. You're too weak. You can't do it. Would you be tempted to despair? Is it going to take some courage and some faith to say, I don't care what I feel. I don't care how long it's been this way. It doesn't matter what other people say and do. If Jesus bought this and paid for it and he gave it to me, I can have it. I can have it. I can have it. And I'm not going to stop till I'm living in it. No matter how many giants I have to come through, how many walled cities we have to come over. Come on, are you listening? You got to be like Joshua. You got to be like Caleb. Do you reckon he was ever tempted for those 45 years out there in the desert with that griping bunch to think, well, maybe this is not going to happen. Maybe this is not going to happen. But he wouldn't believe that. He wouldn't listen to that. Now, now listen, it says in verse 2, unto us was the good news, the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, the good news to them was the good news about the promised land. God has got this perfect land for you. He picked it out himself. He's given it to you. It's yours. He's bringing you into it. He's brought you out of Egypt. You saw everything he did. And and that should have proven he's able to bring you on in, right? But they did not believe the gospel. They did not believe the good news about the promised land, preached to them. And because they didn't mix faith with it, it did not benefit, it did not profit them. They all died in the desert when the promised land was right over there waiting on them. And he's warning us lest that happen to us. He's saying, don't let that happen to you. The good news you're hearing about what's been bought and paid for you in Jesus, mix some faith with that. Mix some faith with it. And when you do, it's going to benefit you. Did it benefit Joshua and Caleb? Did they believe it no matter what the rest of the bunch did? And it benefited them. Now listen to the Amplified version of this. He said, indeed, we have had the glad tidings proclaimed to us just as truly as they But the message they heard did not benefit them because of why? It wasn't mixed with faith by those who heard it. Now here's something that's also in a lot of other translations, not translations, other manuscripts that it goes on to say, neither were they united in faith with the ones who heard and did believe. They weren't united in faith with Joshua and Caleb. They made a choice about which side to hook up with. And it was the wrong side. It was the wrong side. Go back with me. Let me remind you of this. I know this is something you may not have heard as much about. But I believe it's one reason why the Lord has us on it. Go back to Numbers 13. They weren't united in faith 
with Joshua and Caleb who did mix faith with the message. They chose another side. The Bible said Joshua and Caleb wholly followed the Lord, which means the other guys didn't. It said they had a different spirit, another spirit. Well, we know, among other things, it was the spirit of faith. Listen to it in Numbers 13 and 30. When they got back from spying out the land, Numbers 13, 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And he said, because they're talking about how big the giants are and how tall the walls are. And Caleb uh, stilled the people. What does that mean? He said, hush, hush, shh, hush. Listen, let's go up right now and get it. Somebody say a different spirit. A different spirit. How market of a picture this is. What did they just get through hearing? The Bible said they brought up an evil report. And the Bible called their unbelief evil. We just got through reading that in Hebrews 3. What what were they saying? They were saying, yeah, I mean, you see this fruit. It's an amazing land, all right. But the giants are there. They've been living there for we don't know how long. And they got these walls built up to the sky. And they got iron chariots. And one of them dudes would break you in half with one hand. I'm telling you, we're like grasshoppers in front of them. No way, no how. Not happening. We can't do it. It's not going to happen. Caleb says, hush, hush, listen. (laughs) Let's go do it. Let's go do it. Let's go get it right now. I'm telling you, if the Lord is with us, and he is their defense is gone from them they are bread for us it'll be a piece of cake we can do this we can take this you saw what the Lord did for us over in Egypt come on get your sword let's go let's go up right now and get it because we're well able to overcome it keep reading but the men that went with him said We're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. We can't do it. Skip down to chapter 14 and verse 6. 14 and 6. Now why are we going over this? We need to be very clear on the spirit of faith and the spirit of doubt and unbelief. Can you see it? Can you hear the difference between it? Does it affect us? Does it apply to us? We just got through reading in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4. He said, don't let it happen what happened to them, that the good news was preached to you, but you yielded to the wrong spirit like they did and didn't mix faith with it and weren't united in faith with Joshua and Caleb. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were them of searched the land, rent their clothes. Was this distressing them? Do they know the whole bunch is missing God? Is that right? They are messing up the plan of God. After all we've been through, after all that God did in the land of Egypt to get us out here, they have just seen God split the Red Sea. They know what God can do. And this is vexing them so much. Unbelief vexes faith. Doesn't it? You're like, what? No. We're going to get it. We're going to do it. They go, no, we can't. It's too hard. It's too... What does that do to faith? Faith goes, shut up. Hush. No. No. God is with us. He's brought us this far. After all he's done for us. We're going to lay down here and cry and quit. No. No. They said the land which we passed through to search. It is an exceedingly good land. It's just like the Lord told us. It flows with milk and honey. It's the best thing you ever saw in your life. And if the Lord delight in us. He'll bring us into this land. He'll give it to us. This land that flows with milk and honey. Only. Rebel not against the Lord. Now this is not. You notice this. This is not just unbelief. It's rebellion. And they go together. 
You hear people say? That's, oh, that scares me. I just can't. You say, come on, let's do it. When they say, no. That's not just fear. That's defiance. Come on, can you see this? That's defiance. That's rebellion. They said, don't rebel against the Lord. Because why? What's the Lord telling them to do? Go. And what are they saying? No. This is not just fear. It's rebellion. Don't fear the people of the land. They're bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Verse 10, but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. They said, kill them. Kill Joshua and kill Caleb. Why? What have these men done to deserve the death penalty today? Because just like unbelief bothers faith, faith bothers unbelief. Because it's showing them up. Showing up. How rebellious they are. Now I got a big question for you. If you'd have been there that day. When the spies come back. And you heard them give the report. Don't just let this be a story to you. Come on you're there. Are you with me? You don't have western clothes on. You've got a robe on. Some sandals. You've been through some stuff. You've seen some stuff. You're out here in the desert. You've been waiting with great anticipation for them to get back and give their report. And they have. And while the people are telling how awful these giants are and how big these walls are and how there's no way, people begin to cry around you. People begin to groan. You mean we've come all this way for nothing? We've been through all this and we're not going to make it? And then you hear Joshua and Caleb get up and say, hush, we can do it. Come on, God's with us. Let's wait. He brought us this far. What did 99.9% of the people do? They went with the unbelievers. So they said, well, there's no need in me just going out there and letting this cow break me in half. What would you have done? I said, what would you have done? You're out there that day. You hear the report. You don't have the advantage of having attended Faith Life Church and hearing all these. You're, you're on that side, pre-cross everything. You hadn't heard any messages on faith. You've seen what God did in Egypt. You hear what Joshua and Caleb are saying. And how many realize at this moment, this is one of whether you realize it or not, this is one of the most pivotal moments of your life. You got to decide who am I going to hook up with? Am I going to join myself to Joshua and Caleb, who are the, the lone two souls out of all these millions of people? <laughs> who the crowd is wanting to kill right now? Well, if you join yourself with them, you're on the hit list too. Is that right? What would you have done? Which side would you have picked? The scripture said they didn't unite themselves. They weren't united in faith with the ones who heard and believed. They didn't hook up with Joshua and Caleb. They made the wrong choice. How many understand what if they'd have hooked up with Joshua and Caleb, if three of them had, if five of them had, if ten of them had, what would have been talking about 45 years later? Instead of two, there would have been a dozen. Come on, is that right? Or or ever how many? I said all that to say this. It is vitally important that we stay hooked with the people of faith God has joined us to. It is vitally important. It is a key to us making it through our whole race and our whole course. And because of this, the enemy is continually trying to separate you from the faith connections that God has made for you. Do you understand this, friends? Does that sound right to you? Listen to some scriptures. In... 
Proverbs 13.20. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walks with wise men, what will happen? You're going to wind up being wise. Why? Because you've been hanging around with them. And you're going to get what they get. But a companion of fools. But if you say, well, no, I ain't a fool. But all my friends is fools. <laughs> there is a saying in the world. Birds of a feather. Flock together. So if all your friends is fools, are you sure? <laughs> You're not. He that is a companion of fools, what's going to happen with him? Now, even though I said all this, it didn't say he was a fool. What did it say? He's a companion of fools. So whether he's a fool or not, what's going to happen to him? The same thing that happens to the fools is going to happen to him, whether he's a fool or not, because he's a companion of fools. He's running with them. He's going to get what they get. How many understand the majority is not always, not even often, right? What about the majority this day out there? Listen to the reports. The vast majority agreed about this. We can't do this. It's suicide to try. We're not going to. Two faith boys. Anybody want to be a part of the faith bunch? Come on. Two, two faith boys. Do I have any faith boys and faith girls? Come on, do I, do I have any in this place in Branson? Watching my internet? If you'd have been there that day and you weren't Joshua and Caleb, as you heard people talk, what should you do? All this bunch is crying and carrying on over here. Joshua and Caleb is hollering and going, we can do it. What should you do? You should have been going. <laughs> Why? I don't care. I'm going with these boys. Other times you got to pick. Yeah. And if you pick wrong. And you decide you're going to listen to. And hang around. Gripers. Complainers. Judgers. Folks that all they want talks fear and doubt and unbelief. We should look at the people we're hanging around. I don't mean visiting with, but hanging around a lot. Because whatever's happening with them, it's very likely that's going to happen with you. It's quiet in here. Are we reading scriptures or not? Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four. 22:24 says make no friendship with an angry man and with the furious man you shall not go. You got a friend that pitches fits all the time? Do you want to get what they get? Then you better quit hanging around them. Why? Make no friendship with an angry man. With a furious man you shall not go. Somebody comes storming in going, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to tell this and I'm going to do this. Come on, you go with me. What do you say? No. No. I'm not going with you. <laughs> you shall not go. How many think you ought to obey the scriptures? Yes. Somebody say, don't go. Keep reading. Verse 25. Lest what happened? You learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. You can't hang around something all the time without it affecting you. And influencing you. Next thing you know, you'll find yourself raising your voice. Doing something too quick. Acting on something too hastily. You're learning their ways. And that kind of thing will cost you. He that walks with wise men. You're going to be wise. A companion of fools. Whether he's a fool or not. Is going to be destroyed. Because whatever happens to them. Is going to happen with you. Because you've chosen to do that and be that with them. Now you'll see this in numerous places throughout the Word of God. You don't have to turn there, but in Revelation, he said this. In Revelation 18 and 4, he said, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not her plagues. 
You know, there was a time when Moses, we're reading in the Old Testament right now, we're going to see all this as we get through it. There was a time when Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were disrespectful to Moses and God and defied. And at one point, the Lord told Moses, tell them they better get away from them. Why? What if they'd have said, well, Abiram's my buddy. Then you're going to get to go down in the pit with him. And he's telling these people, you need to come out of this place. This great city Babylon that's going to be destroyed and judgment's going to come. He said, it's time for you to leave. You You need to get out of there. Now, what if they don't get out of it? Then what happens to the evil city is going to happen to you, even though you might. Did you hear what he said? Come out of her what? My people. My people. You might say, well, I just live in the suburb over there. I don't go along with all their stuff. Well, there can come a time when you need to get out. Lest the judgment that befalls them befalls you. Does it make any difference who we hang with? Yes. Who we run with? Yes. It does. It does. Listen to the New Testament. In uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has uh, light with darkness? And also, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Is that New Testament? What does that mean? It means the same thing your mama told you. Don't hang around them. That's going to rub off on you. (laughs) Go to the book of Galatians, please. I think I'm closing. But I don't want to short you. And you don't want me to short you. Do you? No, you don't. Do you want to make it all the way? I I didn't plan on teaching this. I didn't plan on going this way at all. I made one footnote (laughs) in the midst of 50 pages weeks and weeks ago. A footnote. And today I'm I'm praying, trying to see which way to go. And the Lord brings me to that footnote. (laughs) And the footnote is the whole message tonight. What message is that? They weren't united in faith with the people of faith. Does the Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together? Why? If you read that in Hebrews, it talks about provoking one another into good works. Why? It is vital. The people that God's joined us to is no accident. I said it's no accident. The fact that after all these years and everything they know about you and they still like you. And want to be around you? This is the grace of God. Come on, are you listening? And vice versa. This is because God has joined you together. Now when I say that, I'm talking about people of faith. People of faith. And now because this is such a powerful thing, and there is a supply of the Spirit from the head of the church to you through these joinings. Because it's so powerful and so important, the enemy will try to sever that connection. He'll try to get some kind of irritation between you and them, something you don't like, something they didn't like, something they said, something you said, something they did or didn't do, something you didn't do. And the enemy tries to turn that in, the proverbial molehill, into a mountain. Until you get to where you don't want to be around each other. You don't want to talk to each other. You don't want to go to that church. You don't want to listen to that preacher. And what is happening, the enemy is severing you. Separating you from a lifeline from God. Because faith, just like fear is contagious, faith is contagious. It is. It is. And if you'll hang around people of faith that God's joined you to, it'll, when you might be slipping a little bit, they're having a strong day. Right. And, and you're thinking, well, man, that's a big giant. And that is a great big, that's a gigantic wall. And they'll go, hey, 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 God brought us this far and we're going through that thing. We're going over that thing. Right. Amen. And you'll go, that's right. That's sure right. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes. But if you want to, if you don't want to do that, if you want to just be lazy and lay down and quit, you'll look for some doubt buddies. 
People that will expect nothing of you and will confirm your desperation. And you go, man, that's a big giant. And, you, and they'll go, that's right, that's the biggest giant I've ever seen. You better come, we better go to the house. <laughs> there, ain't, there ain't no way we're doing that. There's no way that's happening. And they go, that's right, let's just, it must not be the will of God. I mean, when you see walls that tall, that means it's not God's will. Come on, let's go to the house. You can cry on my shoulder. It's all right. It's all right. Just get it out. Just, just venting. And so you're heaving, and you have already been through a box of Kleenexes. And, and no, forget. Get it out. You're not supposed to let it in. We're talking about a spirit of unbelief. You're not supposed to let that in you. And when people are just heaving and, and grieving and, and can't even get up and can't do anything, uh, people think that's supposed to be babied. No, you're supposed to quit yielding to that stuff and rise up and believe God. That kind of stuff is how you die in the wilderness, how you don't make it through half your race. Anybody in here besides me want to make it through your whole race? I want to run my entire race. I want to finish the whole plan and course that God has for my life. He tarries his coming. I want to just keep going and going and going until I hit the finish line. And he satisfied me with long life. And he's kept me through everything. What if most of the folks around you Decide they are going to give up and quit. Is it possible, even after through 45 years, for you to hold on and say, I don't care. I'm going to make it. Now, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. These are people they knew. These are people they worked with. These are people they fought with. These are people they went and spied the land out with. And as these years went by, they're dying. They're getting old, they're getting weak, and they're not making it. None of them is making it past 70 or 80. You know, in, in Psalm 90, where it says, if the days of your years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength there be 80, that's talking about them all dying out there. And everything's going to tell you, even the strongest of the strong didn't make it past 80 out there. It's a harsh environment. It's hard. What do you think the devil's telling them when they get to be 77? Almost everybody you know is gone. Who are you? Why do you think you're any better than them? When, now, do you understand how many people we're talking about? Hundreds of thousands. But Joshua and Caleb looking across the campfire. <laughs> Because how you making, man? Man, the Lord's my strength. Hmm? You remember what Moses told us? You remember that look in his eye? Remember what he said? I do remember, but I wish you'd tell me again. <laughs> do you need faith friends? Come on, do you? Not doubt friends, not fear friends. You need faith friends. Don't hang around the fear. Don't listen to the doubt. Don't listen to the complaining and the judging. Don't do that. Don't do that. It can hinder you from making your whole race. Amen. Galatians 4. I want you to see what the enemy tries to do. Galatians 4.16 NIV. Galatians 4.16. God had used Paul to raise up this church at Galatia. God used him to pioneer that church. He was their father in the faith. And now there's other guys have come in claiming they're super apostles. And that Paul's time has come and gone and, and, and they need to follow them. And the Spirit of God through Paul said this in, in Galatians 4.16. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They didn't like some things he told them. But real faith friends will tell you the truth. Even when you want to be petted. A real faith friend? Even though what you're going through might pull on their heartstrings, they're not just going to sit down and sob with you and agree with you that it's hopeless. They're not going to do it. I said they're not going to do it. 
And when they tell you the truth, come on, now you, you got to quit yielding to this. Come on, we got to go. We got to make it through this. Come on, get up, stand up. Let's praise God. Come on. Come on, we can do this thing. That, that may not go over big with your flesh on that Tuesday afternoon. And, and it's what he said. He said, uh, am I become your enemy? Because I told you the truth about this. These people, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us. Does the enemy work like this? Trying to separate and alienate you from us. So you may be zealous uh, for them. The New Living Translation says, These false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you'll pay attention only to them. Their motives are not good. They're not interested in you. They just want you to support them and them only and listen to them and them only. When Paul was interested in their good, but the enemy, what was the enemy trying to do? Can you see this? He's trying to separate them. He's trying to bring a wedge. He lies. He deceives. He does everything he can. But you got to make up your mind. Mm -mm. God joined me to them. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Is that right? I mean, there's people in my life that God joined me to 35 years ago and longer than that. And they were, God brought faith to me through them. And their feet will always be beautiful to me. Amen. And when they stand up and say, we're going to believe for this, we're going to do this, we're going to go this way. I don't care if it looks like having to go to outer space and ain't no way, no how. You're going to find me siding over with them and going, all right, okay. I'm not going to lay down and say it can't be done. I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to side with unbelief. Amen. That's how you perish. That's how you uh, fail to make your whole race. You and I are going to need every input that God has planned for us through these divine connections. Do you believe that? There are timely things, things in season, a word that we'll need, an influence we'll need. When they'll come by and they'll give you their testimony or they'll tell you what God did for them or some wisdom or something and we need it. I said we need it. And we need to be strong enough that we don't let little petty differences Somebody said, well, they, they, they treated me bad. Well, did you ever treat somebody bad? Well, they didn't do this. Or they didn't. Hey, did you ever make a mistake? Come on. That doesn't mean you ignore what God did in joining you. Whether it's husbands and wives, our faith friends, our ministries, or ministers, whatever the case might be. How many making up your mind? I'm of the Joshua and Caleb group. Yes. If you are, stand on your feet if you want to volunteer and say, I identify with the Joshua and Caleb group. The believing bunch. That's me. That's me. Oh, hallelujah. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Let's just focus on him. Don't look at me. Don't look around. Just close your eyes and focus on him. Pray this out loud and then pray in the spirit song. Say it out loud if you mean it, if you believe it. Father God, I thank you for the God-ordained joinings you've made in my life all the people that you have placed joined me to them to me you made the connection remind me of when you did it and how excited we were and how wonderful it was and if I've taken it for granted or if I've allowed the enemy To separate me from what you've joined me to. I repent. And by your grace, as you help me, I want to be rejoined and fully joined to all you've joined me to. Now pray in the Spirit, son.
and believe the Lord hears that prayer and is showing us right now any adjustments, any restorations of fellowship, any reaffirmations, any rejoinings that need to be made. Andle masako devarodonje. Emblexate konde iste. Indi socore de socore de socore. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.